0: Welcome to Oaken Bros. I am Eric. And I'm Michael. We have Kevin Iwamoto in the house, in his house.
1: <laughs> in, in the house, in Kevin's house. In Kevin's in house. In the
0: basement.
1: Streaming live. You're in LA, right, Kevin? You're
2: not LA. No, I'm, I used to be in LA. I'm in uh, Northern California
1: now. California. Oh, I, like I
2: live that. smack dab in the middle of Silicon Valley. So when people say, okay. who are your neighbors? I say, it's Apple, Google, NetApp, and LinkedIn. That's
1: That's incredible. How do you like it compared to living in LA?
2: You know, I've been living here since I left um, Disney, where I first got to meet you and your mom, your dad, your family as a preferred supplier to Disney. Um, So I've been living here since, uh, I want to say like 98, 99, 1999. Uh, A while. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like it. You know, I, I always joke about, you know, when I lived in L.A., everywhere you go in L.A., it's a real show business town, as you both knew, because you kind of grew up in that whole, you know, uh, show business world <clears throat> as a supplier to that, to that world. And, you know, the conversations you hear in like the gym and in restaurants all about the latest deal or, you know, who's got a really good plastic surgeon, um, mm-hmm. kind of like superficial type conversation, you know, the conversations you hear around here. You're overhearing engineers and people with a lot of brain power talk about financials, market, you know, um, <clears throat> startup mentality, real business right. entrepreneurial kind of conversations. So I kind of like it much better up here because to me it's a lot more um, uh, substantial. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah you fascinating.
0: know, we, we never, we've yeah. never been to San Francisco. Um, we, we really? want it. Yeah, no, n- never, never been. There. been. Never been we we have an office there and we've never been there, which is interesting. Wow, I'm
2: shocked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. You have and, a big
2: presence here, don't you? I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. No, yeah, definitely yeah, we, we do. Just,
1: yeah. we, we never,
0: we've been having the West Coast team kind of um mm. uh, ma- manage that office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well
1: so, every, does your
2: mom still come out to the West uh to, to call on people?
0: Or? We were we were traveling every five weeks out wow. to LA.
2: Yes
0: L- L- twenty nineteen we were you know, we, we were, At we were 18 as
1: well. 18 and yeah. 19. Really. Our father passed away February 2nd, 2018. And yeah. we were on a plane four days later. We were <laughs> on a plane out West four days later. Listen, we, we had to write, you know, the, the staff, the employees were, were taking it harder than Eric and I were. And he was our father, oh. you know, like <laughs> yeah. the staff, they were, they were really, they needed yeah. to see us. They needed, they needed to yeah. feel that familial atmosphere. Yep. And, um, yep. you know, we we were going, and then we started seeing the clients, and then things started steamrolling. And um, yeah. this is this is really hard for us now to be doing this to talking talking to all of our West Coast clients, yeah, and being like, I don't know when we're going to be coming out. I, yeah. I really, I mean, we could jump right into COVID right now. I mean, you are as if I could call Scott Salombrino the face of travel you are the voice of travel okay. oh
0: thank you <laughs> i mean you know you've dedicated i want you've dedicated your life to travel and yeah. you've helped so many people and i just want to say mm-hmm. you like when we met at GBTA you said one line to me i don't know if you remember what you said but it left such an amazing mark on me we were talking about like linkedin and that's where we got reconnected and yeah. you told me linkedin helps me helps me stay relevant yes and i'm like that uh, that chain i use that in every podcast i use that (laughs) i use that everywhere and then i realized i'm like holy cow he is right linkedin keeps you so relevant i mean where how long have you been doing linkedin and you know what What you were a pioneer
1: for linkedin kevin please explain teach us teach us oh no i mean you
2: guys you guys have mastered you know the, the art of using linkedin but you know my, my whole exposure to social media, cause I'll admit, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I'm a, I'm the same generation as your mom, you know, and a lot of folks my age are either retired or have left the industry or kind of like not maintained their level of relevance in the peak of their career. They just never been able to kind of keep that going, you know, and, but whatever God's miracle, you know, um, I've just been keep, you know, I just keep going like the ever, ever ready bunny. Uh, But I I, I do attribute a lot of that to uh, early on embracement of social media, you know, and I'll I'll tell you a funny story. When I left HP, I was actually all set to go work for a very big bank as their vice president of travel and meetings. And, um, you know, it's similar kind of role to HP or you kind of manage and oversee a huge portfolio of spend that you kind of try to mitigate the risks and kind of negotiate the best possible agreements. But, I got an offer to join uh, one of my suppliers, uh, former supplier, StarSight, which was at that time the leading technology for uh, meetings and events. Um, and so, you know, I, I flew to Philadelphia. I had dinner with the CEO who was, a, was kind of a casual friend. And he basically convinced me to come on board as their vice president of industry strategy and relations, which I thought, that's an interesting job, you know, versus procurement, finance, kind of what I was doing at Disney. And, and at HP, so I thought, you know, I, I should probably give this a try because he was basically, he had done his homework on me. And that always impressed me because I just thought I was going to have a nice dinner, a trip to Philly, right. and then go back home and then take that other banking job. right? But he was so good because he did his research on me on LinkedIn, as well as other um, media, uh, you know, articles or, or interviews that I had done. So he had done his research on me. And the way he pitched me at that dinner virtually moved me from a position of there's no way, Jose, to, you know, maybe I should consider this more seriously. And I, I will say, looking back, hindsight being 2020, it was probably one of the most pivotal decisions I've ever made in my life to kind of like go from an area that I could basically do in my sleep, which is, you know, business travel management as a mega global buyer, to something totally unknown and different. Right. Um, You know, just really doing what I love doing, which is educating, mentoring, um, Mm -hmm. sharing best practices and benchmarking to the industry. All these things that really meant more to me than a paid job. And I know that sounds corny, but in my case, you both know that that's kind of true uh, because I like helping people and I like pushing the industry as far Mm -hmm. as we can go forward. But I was sitting when I first went to Philly, I was sitting down with with the director of marketing, uh, the two directors of marketing. And I remember um, really vividly um, the marketing director said to me, she goes, oh, you know, here's what we need from you, uh, blah, 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 blah. She was going down this laundry list of things, you know, from a background, brief bio, updated PR photos, all this other kind of stuff. She said, you're going to be the voice of the company and, you know, to the industry because our CEO is not an industry person. He can't speak comfortably about any of the business travel topics. You can just – even without prep, just step up to a mic and just, you know, say, talk about this, talk about that. So then she says, and then you're going to write the company blog. And I know you guys are going to laugh and you won't believe me, but I didn't know what that was. (laughs) I had no idea what she was talking about.
0: What year year was this?
2: It was nine. it was, no, it was 2008. Right. 2008,
1: 2009. Okay. Right. When the, when the economy was cracking from the 2008 recession.
2: Yes. But right. if you look at my history you'll see that my timing when there's a you know what storm I'm right in the middle of it always. Right. I was really? of the BTA a month later 9/11 happened. Industry right. was tanking. I had to figure out with the board, staff, budgets, I mean everything, you know. Right. Kind of empathetic to Scott and and their crew at kind of what they're going through now, I went through back then, right? right. So I have full sympathy and empathy for what they're going through right now. It's tough. But usually right. What I found by all of that experience is when you dig deep, um, when I learned at Wharton, you know, in my leadership classes, you know, you, you have what they call that leadership moment where you either have to lead or get the hell out of the way. Right? 100%. That is your decision to do. So generally speaking, what I've learned over the years is if I have a chance to lead, I'm going to lead. I'm not going to step on the side, you know. Right. Fear be damned. I'm just gonna plow forward and I'm just gonna make stuff happen because of sheer determination and will. Right. So I'll look back to that blog story. I thought, I didn't want to seem dumb in front of the director of marketing. So I said, sure, no problem. I go back to my office and I'm online. But what is a blog? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Show me some examples of what a, what bloggers do, you know? <clears throat> right. And that was when I really, you know. Thank God I catch on quickly. I, and I've always been a flexible person. I've never been one to right. kind of say, no, no, status quo forever. That's the way it's going to be. I've always been open to right. new ideas, new developments and stuff. So I, I started to think, you know, this might, I think I can do this because I li- like to write. People appreciate what I put out there. So if we can put a structure around it and a strategy for it and, and, and an outlet, then you know, maybe this might work. But then the other half of me was thinking, but who the hell cares what I think? I mean, that's I'm just, that, that's, the that's
0: the first world. thing. That's the first thing that goes in right? your head when you first start, be like, what do you, what do I have to say? That's different. Exactly. Right. right.
1: And, and you, you don't, <clears throat> you know, you, you don't
2: really know the power or the scope of your network because you've never really been able up until that point, I'm taking you back to 2008. Up until to that point. A lot of the references to how big or effective your network was or is, It was purely anecdotal, right? Uh, Unless you count the number of business cards. I have a thousand business cards, so I I know a thousand people. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a rudimentary quantification of your network value, if you will. Right. Right. But it was then that you know I realized that LinkedIn and some of these other social media platforms offered quantitative analytics around your reach, your messages. How many people opened your message? How many people read it? I mean, like, I think my all-time highest push. Uh, post uh, and it was via LinkedIn was like forty thousand impressions. Wow. made up. Yep. You know, and wow. that's just like. But on a given day, it could be a hundred, two hundred, a thousand. Right. And I, and you start to pay attention about what did I say that hit thirty-five thousand impressions, and what did I say that only hit a hundred impressions? You know what I mean? Right. And you start to recognize, oh, there's a pattern. You know, there's a pattern of interest. There's a pattern of people out there that are interested in when you're talking about this. When you're talking about that. And being the analytical guy I've always been, I kind of started to put the math together and I realized the whole power of social media and impressions and the impact that you can have on people, but more importantly, how you can quantify that. So you're not just stabbing in the dark anymore. You know exactly what resonates with people and what doesn't, you know? And I found over the years that, you know, staying positive, like your blog is very positive, the positive people like positivity. They really do not like negativity. And and if you're going to have an opinion, try to avoid sex, religion, politics, and things that people are very, you know, personally identified with. Because the chances are yeah. you're going to offend somebody, right? right? So I speak to people's common decency and good and, and the innate desire that we have as human beings to want to do good for others. You know, it's, it's a very strong philanthropic thing that, that flows through my veins. And I've always kind of been that way. And I don't intend to change until the day I, I leave. But um, I, I've always found that by giving out without any expectation, expectation in return, you get back like tenfold.
0: 100%. This is gold, tenfold. Eric. This I know, I know. This I'm so I happy. I'm gold. so happy that you're, that you're on Oak and Rose because it's, it's yes. everything that we believe in. Everything that you are preaching, like you are preaching to the choir now, hundred and ten percent, so I wanted yeah. to go to um, your days as GBTA. How did you become the boss at GBTA? Well,
2: well I was always pretty active um, you know volunteer wise I, I did you know committee chair twice uh, never really ran for the board, but you know when um, the vice president role became an open slot because the person who was kind of slated to kind of Take that role kind of withdrew. Um, some of the board members had approached me and said, You know, you ought to consider running for vice president. So I said, Okay. So um, they had like, I think one other person, maybe two, that were kind of planning on running for that role. And I threw my hat in the ring, and all of a sudden, the other one or two dropped out. So by default, I ended up joining the board as vice president. And, you know, I have a philosophy is I, I, I'm not what I call an, an empty chair. If you invite me to the table, I'm going to fully partake in what's on the table
0: mm-hmm. and off
2: the table. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I kind of had to learn the ropes and I kind of had to learn that I can't come flying in with both barrels blazing because, you know, it's about right. building what I, what I learned throughout it all was in order to be truly successful as a leader, especially in an environment like GBTA, or NBTA as it was when I was president, you have to be a master at building coalitions. You, You have to not take extreme positions. You have to kind of take a middle ground and do a little give and take on both sides so that people, even if they don't agree, will come along with you for the journey, right? And most importantly, you have to lead with conviction and purpose. Because people gravitate towards people who are confident, and people who exude conviction and purpose, right? And transparency—you have to tell people what they're along for the ride. You know why? Why are you along for the ride? This is why. This is why it matters to you. And I, I found that by painting a fuller picture for people, by taking the time up front to do that, versus assuming that they know or they understand or they're going to blindly follow, your your success. Ratio just went up exponentially because you knew that people, whether they agreed with you or not, they were still going to come along with you for the ride because they believe in you and they believe in the purpose that you articulated. So the better you can articulate the purpose and the more confidence you can instill in people when you're leading them, the more people are going to come along with with you for the ride. And so I basically learned, and and those are skill sets that I was able to successfully transfer into my business career. Right? Is building coalitions internally at HP so that everybody bought off on my global policy or they bought off on this preferred supplier that I just installed, you know, things like that. You learn how to build these coalitions and allies, and that's the only way you can drive change, honestly.
1: This should be called Oaken and Iwamoto bros. <laughs> just
0: be like, I'm serious. I want to add, Kevin, you, do, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast?
2: You know, I, I have been approached um, to do that. I frankly have not had the time really to do it. So it's an hour a week. I know, I know. And I do a lot of, you know, thought leadership stuff throughout the week. I could easily transfer some of that to this. But no, I you know, it's for me, unless I'm like 100%, 150% committed, I just don't, you know, I, I just rather than commit halfheartedly, I just kind of don't commit. So that's kind of like a personal choice, you know. Right, but I right. think, you know, as I, as I edge closer to retirement, and it's really weighing on my mind a lot about when am I going to pull that ripcord. Um, you know, I, I definitely can see myself doing like a weekly podcast and, you know, just talking about things in general and talking about lessons that I've learned and how you can maybe take some of that and apply it to what you're going through right now. You know, cause I, I, I still have this innate desire to help people. You know, I started two scholarships I just funded another one for MPI. This is out of my own money. It's not even corporate sponsored. It's just, you know, purely out of my own pocket because I believe that, you know, I've been given so much, I need to share it back. And you kind of need to pay it forward. I'm the guy that if you're standing in a Starbucks line, you know, and you, the, the, the cashier tells you the guy in front of you paid for your drink, that would be me because I'm a bleeding heart that way. If I see military personnel in uniform someplace, I'll try to quietly pick up their, the tab or whatever, without even having them know it was me. But I just feel like, Oh, you're a good soul, Kevin. I got to tell you.
1: It's, <laughs> oh, Thanks. It's unbelievable.
2: I just feel like, you know, my life and career has just been so blessed. And for me to kind of not do what I can to give back would be very irresponsible.
0: You have a lot to share and you can help a lot of people. You can oh, help a lot of people and hold on. The, the, the travel industry needs more leaders the travel industry needs right. more voices they, we need, we need more advocates and mm-hmm. with what you already know about LinkedIn and what you already, and, and what you know about leadership mm-hmm. um, you can help a whole new generation of people who are getting into travel uh, yes. you know, and spread the awareness yeah. of how important our industry actually is because you, yeah. you get the soul of yeah. uh, and the core of, of what this industry is and it's the people and yeah. it, and it's the fact that without us, um, there would be no industry. So yeah, at all, yeah. anywhere. And, Painfully
2: so, yeah.
0: And, and I've, I've, I've always
2: had a, a desire to mentor people. And I've mentored, <clears throat> I, I want to say close to like 20 people. And I, I, I'd say 100% of them have gone on to bigger careers, higher titles, um, more entrepreneurialism. Uh, and, and they still... Bring me up. and and to me that I recognize very early the power of influencing, and, and helping people and how that comes back to you. I mean, I still have somebody who used to work with me, um, and who I mentored. I took the time to mentor him when when everybody else said he was a pain in the tuchus, you know. And today he's the chief procurement officer of a major global company, and he still calls mm-hmm. me for advice. You know, I don't know what to do. I, what, what, would you, I, I, what would your position be? You know.
1: No. I got to say, the way Eric says you should do a podcast, I'm more of the book side. Why aren't you writing your, your book, your, your memoir? I mean, the, the, the advice that you have, yeah. like what Eric said, you can take, like, you know, Eric and I, I consider us still young for this industry. And this is, and the travel industry is not generally a young person industry. People really don't You're right. come. I want to be in travel. People want yeah. to travel, but they don't actually want to be in this industry. Yeah. Why aren't you writing your book? To, to I to could say le, le,
0: Leadership in Travel with Kevin Yamoto. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I mean, I would buy it. It's very I will fun. take you up on <laughs> that. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, writing is
2: a commitment, right? Here we go back to commitment.
0: Right, right.
2: When, when I wrote my last book, which is, um, and I know your whole family is authors, including your mother, very successful ones. Thank you. But when I wrote the, the last book, I was in between... Uh, retiring early from Lanyon and <clears throat> joining GoldSpring Consulting as a SVP of uh, the meetings and events vertical of expertise. And I remember I, I, I had been procrastinating writing that your, your personal brand, I had my ideas about your personal brand and how people right. don't even develop that. They just hide behind their corporate brand. And What happens when the corporation lays you off or yep. the corporation goes bankrupt?
0: you're You're, so you're so right i mean you're kevin iomoto and like you you carry you carry along to where you are that's right and 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 and, and, and that but but it's your brand that did that and it's linkedin that did that no matter where you are your your relevance stays and just that's right and everybody everybody on linkedin has to see this so, so i
2: i i definitely leveraged that short time window to stop procrastinating and to write, you know, the, the book. It was a short book. Um, it was a lot bigger, but the my millennials who I mentor said, you're going to lose that audience if it's too long. So just kind of condense it. So I really condensed it out. And, and they were absolutely right. Um, but that, that one month was a very condensed period. And for me, I would probably, you know, again, to commit to write the next chapter in that, like to your suggestion, Eric, um, you know, leadership and travel. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> do a little plug. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I didn't know that. Michael, we have to we have to buy this, Michael.
2: Yeah, we'll so I, I share a lot of what I'm sharing with you today in, in that book. But I agree with you. I think there's a, there's several other books and I really need the kind of time to do it. Right now I'm still kind of drinking from a fire hose as a you know chief strategy officer for Bisley. But um, you know, I do think that, you know, when things do slow down for me, you know, writing is a big passion of mine and but again i have to be commode- committed and i have to be focused in order to do the best that i can do you know in terms of sharing like those things
0: me personally i feel like books move too slow and i feel like you know it definitely yeah. it's part of the equation <clears throat> i don't necessarily have the patience to write it but i love yeah. i love the immediate reaction of taking a picture writing a, a provocative yeah. or a, or a, a nice um not provocative is the wrong word but just writing a, a meaningful Caption. And yeah,
1: I don't want to get my address, but I just bought it. Thanks oh, for your thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I would have sent you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm getting an autographed copy the next. <laughs> if, there's, if there's even a GBTA to even go to at this point, you know, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, you know, we, we spoke to Scott last week, who's also I, like uh, a mentor to Eric and me. Mm-hmm. Um, we love Scott. Uh, we love every ounce of Scott. What, what do you think? going to happen like do you think they're going to have this in november do you think they're just going to cancel it and head into orlando next year like what 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 do you you know you have your finger on the pulse of travel what do you think is going to happen to gbta
2: Uh, well i think it's not just gbta it's mpi too. um right and even imex to some degree you know because imex is still scheduled for september and i know karina bauer and her dad um very very well I'm, i'm proud to say that they're personal friends and you know i worry about All of them, you know, I'm very close to the leadership at MPI. And of course, you know, Scott and I have a long history along with some of the board members and, you know, they have to do this for the industries that they represent. They just have to. And whether it becomes a scaled down version with more virtual sessions and things, you know, this is a creative industry. I have every confidence that the the smart people and creative people in our industry can figure out a middle ground Mm -hmm. to kind of get. the the opportunity to meet, but to not to be able to do that, um, I think a lot is is going to be very painful for this industry and it's going to set us back a bit. Um, But Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, all the powers that be starting from Scott to Karina and, you know, um, Paul at MPI, you know, they're very driven people. And so Mm -hmm. if there's a way to make stuff happen, they are going to make it happen. You know, trust me, I do believe that. How it happens And what they do to make it happen is totally still up in the air. And I think a lot of that you really won't know, we won't know, until closer to the November date or the September date, based on what's tracking in terms of COVID infections, and is there like a down cycle? can, Can we meet again, but everybody be six feet apart? I will tell you this, guys, and you should probably think about this, um, for your tchotchkes that you give away for BLS, because you guys give away good stuff. What I love about you, and I know this is your mom's, you. name, is your mom is not into crap, she's into quality. Right. And so I know both of you inherited that from her.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: just, you know, from your Uncle Kevin here, um, you know, your, your, your tchotchke gifts are really gonna be uh, BLS masks, um, BLS hand sanitizers, and even um, Clorox BLS wipes with bleach, well, that kind of kill thing. That-
1: we're we're a few steps ahead of you already, Kevin. Good, I, I figured we're, you were. were. We've already gotten the the um the, the
0: sanitizer, the, the sanitizers, yeah,
2: right. And, and let know. me tell you, yeah. those those gifts, guys, were kind of like, I don't want to say nothing gifts, but like nobody really picked them up at trade shows and
1: stuff. I guarantee you, you'll be sold. out. <laughs> I mean, everything you bring will be like wiped out <laughs> at the next
2: show if the, you go this route.
1: <laughs> we did the fidget spinners one year, right? We did like the yeah. hottest new thing in like 2018 and 2019. It was like the BLS fidget spinner, yeah. And we were we were sold out. We actually got clients from that. Like yeah. we got into some RFPs from people who like I, I love, like, your love your fidget spinners. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you see, so I mean, do you? Do you feel that stuff actually matters? I mean, I believe it does. Mm-hmm. Someone who's does. going booth to booth to booth to booth and saying like, you know, oh, look, another squeegee here. Like we did one year, we did DLS Dice. I don't know if you can see that, but yeah. we made yeah. DLS Dice. For the <laughs> we went to, yeah. I, I play with this while we're, while we're um, doing podcasts and Zoom calls. But like, mm-hmm. what is it about like a tchotchke? It's a great word. What is it about chachi that's going to make people remember that yeah. was the booth? That was good. What is it about that as a buyer?
2: Well, as a buyer, so if I put my former buyer's hat on, I look at how creative and innovative the the tchotchke was and how that links back to the company that's in front of me, right? Because to me, first impressions mean everything, right? So if you just have something run of the mill, my my, I'm not impressed. You know, it's like, okay, well, anybody could put a BLS baseball cap on. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't take or the
1: lot. same shit every year. Co- correct. The same, the same thing. Here's, here's correct. our card with our, with our key holder, you know, yeah. Yeah. The I, that we're going to get. I, out?
2: I look for somebody or companies that have put a lot of thought into how they're presenting themselves at a very public forum, like a GBTA trade show or something, right? Like last year, do you, do you know the highlight of the trade show for me last year? And I'm not, uh, I'm an animal person, but more on the dog side. I'm really not a cat person, but okay. my friends over okay. at Trip Bam, instead of having like your mundane tchotchkes they had a whole booth with cats that you can adopt, and you can go in there and play with the cats. And wow. the tagline in there, which I had to laugh about, but it was so true, is like uh, something about your managing your hotel program is like herding cats.
0: It's brilliant. And they wow. were all
2: cats and people were able to come in and play. So. Immediately, what did that show me? It showed me they put a lot of thought and effort into linking that <clears throat> promotion in with what they do right. and then putting it out there. And then they did the social, it, it was like a perfect thought marriage because at the tail end of it, the cats that were in the booth were all up for adoption. They were all adopted. So, right. you know, you, you took something, you, you ended it with a corporate social responsibility benefit so if you visited that booth, you walked away and went, wow. Right. I, I really like what they did. I really like that company. You know, so you already won them. And now all you got to do is go in and kind of like say, hey, by the way, this is what we do. Exactly. Right. And we yeah, would like right. for you to be a customer. Right. And I'm going to be more open to that because of what you put together. But I will say that the, you, you can tell when you walk around those things. Like, you know, having been to like, I can't even count guys how many trade shows I've been. Right. You collect so much stuff over the years that you just stop collecting it because your house starts to look like a museum, you know. And um, uh, unless they're good stuff, like your mother has, uh, Thank you. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's really you. You kind of walk through that floor very jaded, right? It's like show me something, right. right? And the the suppliers that actually can make me stop and show me something,
1: those are the ones that I want to do business with. Right. 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 uh, That is absolutely the truth. I I say this on almost every podcast, like you have to sell without selling. Yes. Right. You you can't be going, oh, you know, here's my card. Here's my card. You know, you got to use me, you know, like, so we're, we're at GBTA. We're a global car service. But so's the next 10 booths over and so's the next 10 booths over to the left. And there's 10 more limo companies. And, over
0: and we all have the same cars and we all have the yeah. same drivers <clears> and we all have, we're all open up all over the world, you know, the, the yep. whole nine yards. Right. So that's the predicament. So how are we different from anybody else? Yeah. And that's the, fi- that's the $64,000 question.
2: Well, I think you have, you both have time on your side and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> A lot of the buyers for black car services or sedan services are retiring and getting out of the business. And business itself has changed, right? Your business executive today is not in a three-piece Brooks Brothers suit, carrying a leather briefcase and whatnot. You know, he's in jeans. I call them
1: the shoulder pads. Uh, Yeah, yeah. The shoulder (laughs) shoulder pad crowd. you got these old limo dudes who are walking around with shoulder pads. Yeah. And And the audience that
2: they're selling to is in jeans and a T-shirt.
1: Right. Right.
2: Right, Right. yeah. And, And the cars that they think are cool, you don't have in your fleet. You know, so right. you guys being of the younger generation um, have age on your side because you know what appeals to the new executives, right? The, the other companies are still appealing to the shoulder pad crowd, like you call them, Michael, right? Yep. And that crowd, I hate to say this very bluntly, but they're leaving. They're, yep. they're, they're not around anymore. A lot of them have left. They're retired. Some have passed away, right? Yep. It, it, it's a shrinking audience, guys, It's kind of like when I look at my world, how easily I could have been irrelevant if I did not embrace social media early on. If I didn't take the time to learn it, I I like to teach it to to baby boomers because they they kind of want to try to replicate some of that. But frankly, if you haven't done it by now, I mean, it's never too late. But how much longer are you going to be able to do this? You know, I've been lucky because... I've been doing this since two thousand and eight, you know, it's over ten years. And and
0: yeah, we just started a year and we just started a year and a half ago, to be honest. We we weren't on social media at all. My dad was a very private person and his mom yeah, was, he was you know, he liked he liked the opposite end of the spectrum. He liked right? the, he liked the mystique of running a high end VIP type service. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of keeping everything under wraps and just letting everybody think you know let's ever let everyone else create their own thoughts of what they think it's like behind the scenes but right. Michael and I quickly realized that that's fine if you wanted to take it to where my dad wanted to take it but if you want to take it yeah. to where we want to take it got to start a podcast you got to put yourself out there you gotta you have to have a hundred percent transparency hundred percent honesty yeah and, you know that's that's the way you got and, to
1: and I got it I got to tell you Kevin I, I'm, I wasn't a social media guy. I felt that social media was detrimental to our society. And then Eric, you know, I was, an I. Well, when I came into the company, I listened to Anthony Robbins. And uh-huh. Anthony Robbins really, he reinvented <laughs> me, right? I was like thinking like a college guy. And then I reinvented myself and, and I put myself out there in the company. Eric came in and he listened to this gentleman by the name of Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, who's this, you know, young millennial type guy. But I mean, he's my... Yeah. early 40s and he said you know this is it guys this is the future this is what has to be done and eric eric went like we do everything else and he went full uh, it it was a gamble yeah it was either it was either going to fail miserably and we were going to tarnish the bls brand or we were reinventing ourselves yes 2000 that decade is done so now we approach this new decade and You are, your defi- your 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 definition is reinvention. And that's Anthony okay. Robbins. I reinvented yeah. myself being this young, cool college guy into being yeah. the president of a global car service. Eric did the same thing of, yeah. you know, being this young, you know, kind of gamer kid. And he reinvented himself by using the phone. Reinvention is everything. Yeah, it is. Re- if you're not reinventing yourself, look at you. You're still, you're still He's,
0: so relevant. And that's... You're, that's everything. That's, <laughs> that's the name of the uh, podcast, Keeping Relevant with Kevin. Yeah. Call <laughs> Stay, the staying bros relevant. Podcast Stay Iwoto. relevant. Iwoto. Staying relevant. I want
1: to change my last name to Iwamoto. Michael? No, Hill. you You have
2: a great last name.
1: Iwamoto Bros. Your dad <laughs> I mean, will be rolling
2: in his grave. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I'm sure he would like that. Uh, regardless, well, I loved your dad. So. Uh, we, and he loved you
0: too. Our family. He, he, always, always, spoke so, he always spoke so highly of you.
1: You, your wow. name was always a, a, a name at our dinner table. Growing up, since we were babies.
0: Yeah, so, you know,
2: I remember yeah. you guys as babies. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. So I you were
2: in that. sweats. I mean, <laughs> I know. Eric I was know. running around.
1: It's crazy. grown men with your own family. I feel so old. <laughs> no, here's my question to you: Is young? Were at you heart. always? Were you always reinventing yourself when you were a young man? You know did you always want to go into travel did you know i like I, we normally start with take us to the beginning yeah the conversation is like priceless right now. did you always reinvent yourself yeah you know like was it always something that was just did your parents teach it to yes. you did you did your family like how did this come about? people have to learn this shit i i i i i i mean to to me
2: I don't know where I learned it from i I just think that it's part of your if you're if you're an observant person, you kind of notice things around you you know, and and it kind of like interweaves itself to everything that you do. And I'll give you a great example. I am a very observant per- person, and so I pick up stuff that most people miss, and you can either that can either be a detriment for you or that can be a plus for you. And I've always right. found that whatever. I kind of felt I kind of always tried to turn those things into pluses versus minuses, right so for me it 's just like second nature that if something is not working or it 's not working as well as it should, then you need to look for why and then move to the area where it is going to work so for me it 's constantly always been that way. so when I look back at my at my career i 've reinvented myself successfully, thank God several times, you know, as a buyer, as a supplier, as an entertainer, as, you know, a, a college person, as an entrepreneur, you know, owning his own business. I've reinvented right. myself several times. And, and my, my, my singular goal for all of the incarnations that I've done of myself was I need to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. And only when you're truly successful, can you leave it behind, you walk away and move on to something else, right? Because the other thing I believe in guys is Never over say you're welcome. You know, things have a shelf life. Hundred yep. percent. And the smartest people know when that barcode, the shelf life, is expiring, and they position themselves in advance of that expiration date to move on to the next thing. And if you kind of had that philosophy and that discipline, then you will reinvent yourself all the time because you know I can't stay here too long. You know, like. I could have been a travel manager even up till now. I mean, I've had big jobs offered to me without even having to apply for it, you know, and that's again, the power of your personal brand, right? To me, the power of your personal brand is, do you want to interview for a job or do you want it to be created or do you want it just to be offered to you? Right. So to me, my benchmark is I don't want to have to interview for a job. I want people to want me and I want them to offer me the job. So i Honestly, the last, I'd say, 15, 20 years of my life, I've never interviewed for a job. It's, it's either been created for me or it's been offered to me.
1: The so universe brought current, it to you.
0: Your, your, yeah. current, your current position is, is what? What are, you, what are you doing now? Because it seems like it's, it, it's in the same vein of travel, but you're in a, it's a different type of job. So what yeah, are you it, actually it is. doing now?
2: It, it kind of sits, to me, what I like about it is it sits in between my two sweet spots. One is business travel and the other one is the meetings and events world. And by the way, you talk about reinvention, think about it. I I left the business travel world where I I had everything. I mean, I I knew the the business, I knew the industry, I had a strong network, I, I received recognition for accomplishments and pushing the envelope. And I left it to move to the meetings and events side. And I had to rebuild and reinvent myself in that space. And it was only when, and I had the same goals. If I can achieve the same level of success that I had on the business travel side in the meetings world, and I know that I made the right decision to leave or to kind of cross over, and also that um, I know that I, if I can achieve that same level of su- success, that I was truly successful in two industries, not just one. So that was a goal of mine, not to just be successful in one industry, but, but two of the biggest industries in the world, right? And so, and so I use the same benchmarks, you know, the recognition, you know, getting awards and, you know, getting people to recognize you as a thought leader, having something to say. And, and so it was really, you know, sitting between this current job kind of sits between both in the small, simple meetings area, because that's an area that is kind of overlooked by the meeting side because they focus on the large conferences, trade shows and events.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's kind of it, it. Kind of actually, better fits on the business travel side because the business travel managers are program category managers. They oversee policy, strategy, sourcing, all those kind of things. So it kind of like sits in between both. And for me, that's my sweet spot because I do sit between both, right? And this space. It, and I thought about it when when COVID hit. You know, when this is over, because it will be over at some mm-hmm. point. Um, this space is going to be the first that's going to rebound first on the business travel side and the meeting side. Why? Mm-hmm. Because people are not just going to hop back on planes and travel internationally and domestically. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to, and the, people are not going to just jump into conferences and stuff. They're going to ease their way back in, but all of the planning to reenter business, to restart the engine is going to start with what we do, which is facilitate uh, the, the orchestration and, and bookings for small, simple meetings that companies and teams and departments have to do in order to kickstart the business model. Again. Right. So we're kind of sitting in like the perfect storm of relevance in terms of product technology needs. Companies are going to need, you know, some form of technology to make that facilitation process easier for those micro events or those gatherings, right? And that's kind of where we, we sit. So for me, it was exciting because I get to use, especially in this role, I'm not just the CSO, I'm also the COO and the Chief Revenue Officer, too. So I'm doing like three C level roles, but I get to extrapolate from all the different roles and responsibilities I had in my life and career um, and kind of apply them into this new leadership role at Bisley and kind of really build the company, you know, help the CEO build the company. Mm. I mean, because frankly, guys, I was one foot out the door for retirement. I've I done my thing. You're
1: again. not going anywhere. Well, you're not it's about
2: going knowing anywhere. when, you know, it's time you're to go. Be, but I just figured. You're,
1: you're going to be bored out of your mind. You have so much to say <laughs> if you ever retire. There's no way, Kevin. I would I would probably bet money on it that you're never going to retire. You know? You, you, just, and the travel industry, there's something so attractive to it that it pulls you right back in. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: I think it goes back to what you said though, Michael, like I don't think I would completely retire because you're right. I'd be absolutely, you know me a long time. You know that I would be bored in like two weeks and I'd be like climbing the walls, right? It's like, what the hell? Yeah. But I really do think like you and Eric said, you know, um, there's a lot of people that I can now, if I do retire, I can help people full time. I can mentor people. I can mentor careers. I can help companies, you know, build, you know, uh, you know, scale to success and, there's a lot of people that could use some help philanthropically that I, you know, my, I I have on my future drawing board, a a foundation that's really going to be, you know, uh, educationally focused to really help new younger folks come into this industry, but, you know, have a quality education and knowledge base around it and how to operate in it, you know, with the highest integrity and not just succumb to, you know, cheap theatrics or, you know, quick, um, shortcuts to get to the top you know to me you really there's a reason why mountain climbing is so exhilarating it's like how can you enjoy getting to the top of a mountain and look at looking at that majestic panorama if you haven't climbed it yourself right if you haven't put the blood sweat and tears and and, and commitment into climbing that mountain Yep. And after doing that, you can sit at the top and look at the landscape and say, wow, I did this. You know? right. To me, that's worth more. Helping people and having that level of satisfaction is a lot more than you know, making a lot of money. I mean, don't get me wrong, making money is great.
0: Happiness, But, but it's, so a, it's, a byproduct, it's a byproduct of doing what you love. If you do what you yes. love, then the money will come. It doesn't. You know. uh,
2: and that's always been my philosophy, Eric. I've never done anything for money. But miraculously, the money has always found me.
1: That's exactly right. That's amazing. You think rich, rich, you're going to grow rich. But you don't have to think money, 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 money. You have to think about giving. You have to think about how you act. You've got to think about the big picture. I mean, you're doing philanthropy. You're a renaissance man. I mean, (laughs) when you think about it, you've done everything. You've done everything. I've tried. You know, I've never,
2: I've always been fearless that way. I've never been one to hesitate. My, my, you know, again, it's that leadership moment, right? You either jump off the cliff or you, you hang on. Right. Right. And I would say nine times out of 10, given whatever circumstances I'm in, I'd generally be the one to jump.
0: So what I wanted to ask you is who has been your influence? Who has been your mentor? You know, like, who's helped you along the way? And it could be a book, a movie, you know, Michael and I are big into movies helping us. We love the movie, Tommy boy, you know, Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, our parents, you know, who has kind of along the way helped you?
2: Wow. Um, Well, if you've been around as long as I have, I mean, everything influences you, right? I mean, it's, 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 you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, you know, I, I, I like, and I study leadership. I look at, strong leaders to kind of help me make decisions and guide my path. You know, people who never compromised on their integrity, you know, like like Martin Luther King and, and you know, people who led by example, right. not the the do as I say, not as I do, which is so common in leadership today. Yep. Right? People who broke their back to get to where they needed to get to and never took anything for granted along that ride, you know, because to me, unless you really – been broken a few times along the way you can't really appreciate what you've achieved because you never really put any skin in the game right yep. so for me it's the people who go all out without hesitation without compromising integrity people who who've demonstrated strong leadership skills i look at at your, your governor Cuomo
1: the, oh my the, god yep. him
2: tomorrow if, if you know he's showing every positive form of walking the talk and leadership that you could ever 100%. ask for.
1: In, in and that's a, not a political statement. That's not a political statement. Yeah, because no, not, not at all. You don't kid. have to
0: agree with everything that he says, but the, way, the way that he's leading is, is the correct way.
1: Correct. correct. That, that's right. I, I could say the same thing about Gavin Newsom. I, I think mm-hmm. what, he's doing, what he did for the state of California, he kept it contained. You know, he did. I, I he did. Great, great leadership. Cuomo, yeah. Newsom, I'm very impressed. Yeah.
2: You, you, you know, and, and, and it's also people like, you know, Mother Teresa, right. It's like never wanting any kind of notoriety whatsoever. She's just happy helping people. I mean that, and she led by example, she didn't lead by clever statements and anecdotes and stuff like that and putting themselves out there, you know, Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just people with character, people with integrity, people who are fearless, you know, and, and, and took leaps of faith. You know, I look at even somebody uh, uh, like Madonna. I mean, you talk about somebody who stayed relevant and-, and ta-
1: reinvented herself.
2: And I reinvented so. herself successfully, right. many, many yep. times, right? I mean, yep. you look at somebody like Lady Gaga,
0: who- She's awesome, 100%, 100%. Is,
2: is, is who she is, right? She She does and follows her heart and she does what's right without any fear, of repercussion or people criticizing her or she doesn't care.
1: That's how I feel about do, you know? that, that's how I feel about Steven Spielberg. Yes. You know, he did Jaws, he did you know, Indiana Jones, but he also did The Color Purple and he did Schindler's
0: List.
1: He wasn't making these child movies he did saving Private Ryan. So yeah. like he was reinventing himself. That's how I am with, with my writing. I'm looking to always reinvent myself because mm. you get stale. And yeah. the one thing that you did not do is get stale, Kevin. You know,
0: you still all these years. No, it's no. You, you have to. You, you It's work. You know, it's it, it's it's a hundred percent work to stay relevant. It's a hundred percent work. It is.
2: To, it's a commitment.
0: Yeah. No. No. No doubt about it. And I want to go back to Lady Gaga. Her speech where she said she's like when she was holding the Oscar and she's like, "This is hard work." She's yeah. like, she's like, you know, this just didn't it, happen. Yeah. And, you know, yep. and, and like those speeches, especially when some saint on, YouTube, on LinkedIn or Instagram is going to go and subtitle it, put some good music on it, it's going to bring you to tears.
1: Yeah. When you have one of
0: those, you know, yep. Will Smith, Lady Gaga, all those, those yeah. Jim, Carrey. Yep. Jim Carrey, yep. you know, all of those users of the universe yeah. um, are, you can see it, you can feel it, and it's no mm-hmm. accident that they are who they are.
2: And, and going back to what I said earlier, what's the one common thread to all of it, Right everyone that we just spoke about had conviction and purpose yep and and stay true
1: to to themselves That's anthony robbins 101 yeah and it just
2: it just comes through don't try to be something you're not just be you you know and just be the better you it's like you know i've been asking you know i wrote a few pieces recently about crisis management and how to kind of reclaim control in your life that you know were picked up by north star and btn and you know now all of a sudden everybody's asking me to be on their webinars to kind of calm people down and kind of you know get them refocused on, on things that they should be focused on and not just you know panicked and full of anxiety and
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I had one chapter president tell me you know kevin people look to you for that i never thought about that but you know is it people look to leaders like yourself who can calm them down not that you're saying what you think they want to hear, but, but what you're right. saying resonates with them. And it does calm them down. You know, right. it comes right. from a, a place of really caring or really wanting to help. And it's genuine. It's not artificial.
0: You know? when you, yeah, i said sorry. When you said, and COVID-19 will go away, like, you know, like it just, it, it, you know, like yeah. you get a feeling of relief that, you know, your confidence and your sincerity in it mm-hmm. makes it true. Because I've seen you know what I mean? things like yeah.
2: that come and go. And, you know, one advice I give to people, especially now during COVID, when anxieties are running high and people are running around in circles and, you know, confused and frustrated and, and feel like they lost control of their lives, which they kind of have, is not to focus on things that are out of your control, but focus on the things that are in your
0: control. Absolutely. And even
2: small little wins can give you that self-confidence of kind of staying in control. But... Really, you know, one of the things that I always tell people is stop focusing on all the bad stuff that's happening now. Start focusing on the light at the end of the tunnel, because absolutely every crisis there comes an end, and and for us now is the time to be planning for when it ends, not you know being so sucked into the moment that that everything else is just a blur, right? It's like I'm yep. focusing guys on, what, what are we going to do when we get out of here? I'm already there. I'm already 100%. talking to companies, talking to people, saying, what's your plans coming out of this? Because how you reposition, and if I could give both of you some, some thoughts to, to think about and take Please. away, yeah. is you now have it within your power and purview to kind of change and reshape <clears throat> BLS for the new normal when this is all over. The time to be thinking about that, the time to be planning for it is now. Mm -hmm. It's not after the crisis is over. It's now. Because if you can do that and you have a plan and you execute on that plan, you're going to be that much further ahead from all of your other competitors so that you can hit the marketplace running. Like one of the things I learned which really resonated with me at Wharton in my leadership class was, um, you you do these case studies of different companies and how they went from relevant to irrelevant and what was the thread that kind of led them for being so powerful and relevant to irrelevant. A lot of it had to do with timing, optimizing the timing and re-entrance into the marketplace of whatever the hell that they were going to do. I'll give you a good example. It's like, you know, uh, uh, Xerox owned the marketplace on printers, right? Uh, But they really were slow to boil on the digital revolution. Well, HP grabbed the digital revolution. And I think a lot of it had to do with Silicon, being in Silicon Valley versus being in a traditional East Coast, brick-and-mortar company, right? But they were more flexible. They grabbed digital. They then ended up dominating the digital printing space
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they were quick to adapt to it, and they, they, were, they, they, were, they planned that, right? That didn't happen by accident or happenstance. They planned that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, the timing is everything, and if you can plan and reposition BLS for the new normal before the new normal happens, then you're going to be that much further ahead and that much more guaranteed for success post COVID, and that's what you should be looking at.
0: Right, we're a hundred percent doing that. I mean, I, I don't want I, I generally don't ever say anything like this, but Michael and I have never worked so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we're I, I want to say what I what we call it internally is that we're on our own roadshow right now, and yeah. we are just pounding the pa- pounding the digital pavement every hour of the day we are with another client sharing what we've done and how we're making sure that it's going to be safe for them to travel again Yeah, and you know everything that you said, we are not 100% doing 110% doing where you are. we are we just this morning we announced that we have um we have a, a infectious disease doctor on uh, working as an advisory role I saw that yeah and um he's helping guide us through um, you know the next two years, basically of of how yeah. you know keeping our travelers and our and our chauffeurs safe, and um, yeah, no, we we you know there was a two week period in March where we were just you know we 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 were cloudy. We were waking up every morning. We couldn't believe what was going on, and then and then we kind of had a wake up call, and we're like, okay, let's let's get organized, and then. There you go. Every day we have, we have a meeting. Before our podcast, we had um, our daily conference call with, with BLS. And yeah. every day we, we go over the same things over and over again, ad nauseum, the strategy, different things come up. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been an amazing ride. And it's, and it's so awesome how on board everybody at BLS is for the change. And well,
2: you should, should be commended because I have – I follow you both. I follow BLS. The, the changes that you've already made – uh, right after the onset of, of COVID, were very impressive. I mean, thank you. you. You changed your processes. You changed. You installed the barriers. Yep. <clears throat> you know. You 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 upgraded your clean immediately yep. standards. You did all of the right things. You know, it's kind of hard to believe you had a two week period because it seems like you guys have been planning everything proactively since this whole pandemic started, which I commend you
1: for. That's great.
0: Thank you. Know? you. Thank, you. But thank you. I, I mean, want to
1: mention the way, the way people go to you. As a leader in the travel industry, Eric and i we don 't know if we did this subconsciously, but we wanted people to come to us in the ground travel industry mm-hmm. as, as, as a leader. We yeah. always knew our mom and dad you know were leaders they understood ground travel, they were personable mm-hmm. they knew they knew how to sell the company without selling it, and right. Eric and I needed our own platform to do that
0: yeah.
1: and we right. need to come on here and not go. We have the newest cars, and we have the best drivers. And blah. blah, blah. We, we don't do that. We want people to know that this is us. This is what we do. Yeah. And someone, someone wrote a comment on LinkedIn the other day, and I was, I almost was in tears. They're like, Eric and Michael, you are the Cuomo brothers to the ground to, to the travel industry. Oh, We're I love that. that. That was, I mean, smash that like button, Kevin. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was, there was yeah. Of people that someone can, someone would even think of us. And what I know. People, like, I'm not even going on here going, all right, I'm going to pull on an Andrew Cuomo right now, and I'm going to try and talk about this. No, we're coming on and just talking from the heart. Yeah. We're just coming on and, and talking like, I want to know about you. I want to learn about you and what made you grow, what made you tick, what made you reinvent mm-hmm. yourself, and people coming going, you're the voice of our industry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, we weren't even thinking to do that, but it, it, it's flattering to know that we, we are, that we're, yeah. we're leading this industry, and yeah. Eric and I are bringing the ground travel industry into post COVID. I mean, yeah, I how, like we, we yeah. really, I, I don't want to just, this whole thing is, um, <clears throat> it's, it's pretty humbling. Well, know, it's because, so.
2: it's, be, it's because your, your, your intentions and your goals are, are pure. It's, it's not, you know, for self benefit or self motivated. Cause I guarantee for, you, know right. the thing that we all have to always remind ourselves is that people are not stupid. Right. You know, people can see right. through fake messaging, fake 100%. intentions, fake, and, and your actions speak louder than words. It's one 100%. thing to say, I'm a philanthropist, but then you don't donate any money. 100%. You don't support any programs. You know, you have no skin in the game. You know, talk is cheap, right? Actions speak louder than words, and people can read your heart and your intentions. It doesn't matter what's coming out of your mouth. People just right. know it. And, and they gravitate towards that. So I'm not surprised that people feel that you and Eric are re, reinventing the ground transportation world. You should. You know, it's it's your world now. It's not our world anymore. It's your world, you know, and you need to own it. You need to claim it and you need to do what you're doing, but never, ever forget why you're doing it. Because what happens a lot is people start to believe their own PR and then they go backwards or they,
0: they start 100%. to collapse, right? yep. Yep. It's
2: like, for me, it's... I don't believe my own press only because to me, if you, get, if you recognize me for something I did, then you're recognizing me for something that I did and that's in the past. I'm purely looking forward. Whatever is behind me is behind me and I've left it behind. Um, not saying I don't appreciate it. I learned from it. I move on and I move forward. But there are people who cling to the past and they, you know, I, I did this joke. Somebody Somebody told yeah. me, once, you know, where do you, you know, where do you, do you have like this big showcase that you have all these plaques and the awards? And I said, no, they're all packed in newspaper and they're in the garage. Yep. In boxes. I have a few that maybe are up on the wall, but they're more mm-hmm. cosmetic than anything. They look nicer. They didn't look cheap. So I kind of kept them out, but everything else I kind of like packed. And why? Because I don't need that to remind me that my mission is to help others and to keep moving the
1: industry forward that's that's it that's it did did you ever see the movie cars that at a pixar animated movie yeah yeah. lightning mcqueen lightning mcqueen wanted the piston cup right this is every movie i I write movies so i understand this. every he wanted the piston cup he wanted that prestige that recognition and he met a guy doc who had the piston cup and it was sitting in his garage in a cardboard box because it didn't mean anything it's what's in here that means everything that's right. I was, right. and you're our Lightning McQueen. You're, yeah, you're, you're you. our Doc. Yeah. You're, like
2: Eric and I and you're our Doc. It's like I, I honestly, you know, and I can say this with all sincerity. I don't do what I do because I, I'm looking to get whatever I can get, or, you know, I, I want or covet oh, oh, these kind of awards or you know, those are byproducts. They kind of come to you naturally if you, if you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. And for other people and not yourself. Because to me, biggest mistake you can do is take a, take something that you should be doing to help the masses and just kind of doing it only for yourself. To me, that's not only selfish. It's, it's kind of like, you know, what, what have you really, you know, your life, what does it really mean at this point If if you don't have a lasting impression of people? You know, you want people when you're gone to say the same thing. And that goes back to building your personal brand, right? I think if you were to... True test of a personal brand is it doesn't, you can pull a diverse group of people and you can say, what do you think about Michael Oken? What do you think about Eric Oken? And they would all say the same things, right? Hardworking, guy of integrity, creative, innovative.
1: Loud, I put loud. The (laughs) (laughs) The
0: kid in the blue is pretty loud. Don't talk to our wives. (laughs) Yeah, I like okay, your wife. Eric.
1: Wives, she, she tells uh, it like it is. <laughs> don't survey our our, our you know our better halves. Just, yeah. <laughs> really, huh? They're that, but I gotta tell you, I'm changing. the Everyone, thank you for joining the Iwamoto Bros. Podcast. Oh, please! <laughs> I officially. Retired. Kevin's going to be joining us on every single podcast because he I'm no happy to talking- rejoin you whenever you want. <laughs> this, was ama- this was amazing. This was absolutely amazing. Thank you. Where can people find you? Plug whatever you want. Where Where do you? Oh no, just uh,
2: you can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Twitter. In fact, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Uemoto, and uh, I post stuff, I positive stuff, uh, things that I've read that I curated that I think that other people should read, and you know, kind of parse out whatever industry advice I can whenever the call is needed. So you know, that's well, where you can
0: find me. You helped us. You inspired us. I hope, I oh, hope thanks. we can inspire one more person that listens to this that um, will take their personal brand seriously, that will take travel seriously.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, those are really our passions um, to, to help people because if you're doing this for money, it's, you know, Michael and I, we, we could have just coasted, like everything was fine. We could have just stayed behind the scenes, we could have just coasted, kept everything to ourselves, not got on a soapbox. We could have just coasted and everything would have been fine. So we're not doing this for the money. We're doing this. I'm so
2: proud of you guys for doing that. You know, that to me your your dad and your mom raised you both right because Thank you. you 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 don't you could feel a life of entitlement, but you you both of you are so far from that. And I just wish that there were more guys like you guys out there who thank really you. never take things for granted. You know and that that comes with upbringing; it comes from good parental guidance. So, kudos to your That's mom and your dad that. for instilling that
1: in both of you. Kevin, thank you for being our our uh, our yoda, I'm proud of you both. Mentor. thank you. You're, you're you're we're like Jedi. We're like Padawans, and you're like Obi. <laughs> really and truly,
2: I make you a deal, sure. guys. Anytime you get another sure. two week wall where you're sitting around kind of in shock, just pick up the phone and call me. Dumb and I'll get you guys back into reality and back into gear very quickly. I promise you.
1: You, you did it here.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to pause it in a second and stay on, but please like, subscribe, share, spread, spread the message, spread the love. Leave comments
1: down below and um, listen to Kevin. And we should just make these <laughs> shirts up. Listen to Kevin.
0: You know? <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. I'm I'm going to stop now. Hang on. Hang on one sec.